Natanya will be reading our scripture uh, for today. It's uh, Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It'll be Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5. All right, join me in reading. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap, to show their sorrow. May the Lord bless the reading of this word and have his head. Thank you. So I just, I have the earbuds on so that you can all, or that I can make sure that you can hear me. It's kind of a tricky thing to do these live streams. Um, but thanks for hanging in there and be patient, being patient with us. Um, the very beginning here. Jonah is a, uh, it's a great story. Um, it was one of my favorite stories as a kid because, you know, obvious reasons, there's a huge whale that swallows a man whole. Um, and it's become a very popular children's story. I mean, we tell it many times. It's, in fact, um, sometimes distracting, I think, the whale itself. Right, that's the only thing that we really only think about when we think about Jonah. The first thing that comes to mind is there's this man and, and, a, and a large fish, the Bible doesn't say it was a whale, uh, a large fish swallowed Jonah up. And sometimes we even get into arguments about whether it was a whale or it was just a very large fish. Um, <laughs> and I just want to pull us away from that kind of thinking when it comes to Jonah. I want us to maybe look at it with fresh eyes. Um, and in order to do that, I try to focus on essentially what is the second calling to Jonah. But I just want to review with you a little bit um, what the story is really telling overall. It's a short story. It's only three chapters. If you haven't read before, you might want to read it after this. Um, just give me a second. Where's my, oh, there it is. I keep losing things. Um, so before we begin, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your presence in this moment. Um, we thank you because you continually speak to us and you continually try to get to, to us and get our attention sometimes. Um, and sometimes you resort to, you know, unconventional ways. And Father, in this moment, as we read and we talk about and we think about you and we learn from you, I ask that you may inspire this message, that you may be with the words that I speak. Um, let them not be my own. Father in heaven, we, we welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jonah Jonah is a prophet. Jonah, from the very beginning, we understand that Jonah 
works for God. He that's his thing. That's that's what he does. And at the very beginning, it just it kind of starts abruptly. The story begins with with simply the word of the Lord coming to Jonah and asking him to go to this place called Nineveh and basically preach a word against that city or that nation. Nineveh was located in, in the empire of Assyria. And, and the Assyrians had been very horrible, terrible people to the, to the peoples of that region. They, 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 were, they were like the dominant kingdom for a while. They, they took over. They, they tortured people. They killed people. They, they were basically Israel's enemy. And as we read the story, we understand that they, they're actually, to Jonah, they are his absolute worst enemy. So Jonah is sent to them. Except Jonah decides to run away. He basically just listens to what God is asking him to do, and he takes off in the opposite direction. He takes a ship to a place that was completely opposite from Nineveh. And as he's on this ship, God sends a terrible storm upon the sea. And Jonah is found asleep in the boat. The sailors are panicking because they, they think they're, they're about to sink. And, and, and they're looking for everybody. They're, they're, everyone's calling out to their God for, for mercy to, to, to save them from this storm. And, and one of the sailors actually goes down and finds Jonah asleep and asks, how on earth could you, could you be sleeping in this moment? And he says, get up, call on your God. Perhaps this God will save us, will spare us a thought so that we don't perish here in the sea. And, and the sailors then continue to try to figure out, you know, what, what, what has caused this calamity that has overtaken them out on sea and, and they begin to cast lots and, and a lot falls on Jonah surprisingly, right? <laughs> Jonah is the reason for their calamity. So Jonah says, you know, the only way to stop the storm is to throw me overboard. Now it's really odd that he says it apparently so calmly <laughs> according to the story, just the only way to stop it, if you want to stop this, you got to throw me overboard. And the sailors don't want to throw him overboard, right? So they, 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 they try their best to row to safety, but, but they, they're not making any progress. The, 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 the sailors themselves have this strange, this strange man, Jonah, in their midst, on their boat. And it's interesting that the sailors, even after knowing how to save themselves, essentially, how to, how to make the storm be uh, calmed by throwing Jonah overboard, the sailors themselves don't want to throw him over. So, so they try their best, right, to row to safety. It's interesting, just that, just that fact in the story. And, and, and in, in their, in their uh, con conflicted minds and conflicted souls, they, they actually pray to God and they say, don't, don't make us guilty of innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. The sailors were refusing to do what Jonah had asked them to do, 
to throw him overboard in order to save themselves. But eventually, either Jonah convinced them or the storm just got worse. They end up throwing Jonah overboard. And the Bible says, but God provided a large fish to swallow Jonah up. Now, it's, it's, it's striking that Jonah appears to be okay dying, not having fulfilled his mission. He's, he's trying to get away from the call that God has given him. He could have asked to be taken back to Nineveh, right? He, but instead, he, he simply says, throw me into the sea. We don't have a record of Jonah praying to God in the moment in the middle of that storm. We don't have God talking to him. There's no communication between them. Jonah just says the only way to get rid of the storm is to throw me over. It's as if he's trying to, you know, get out of it. And to which God responds by, you know, sending a fish, basically saying, nope, you can't, you can't leave yet. It's, it's, not, it's not time yet. You don't get to refuse your mission. Here's a fish that will swallow you whole but won't digest you. It's an incredibly uncomfortable situation for him, but it is not death. Jonah doesn't pray from the belly of the ship, but rather he begins to pray once he's in the belly of this fish. This is when he finally calls out to God. And he tells God that he will, he will pay whatever he has vowed. Basically, I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do. I'll do my job. So God causes the fish to vomit Jonah up on the beach. And this is where we find our scripture reading for today, where the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and has a message, right? It says, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. It's very apparent that Jonah does not want to go to this place. It's very apparent that Jonah really does not like these people. As we read on, we, we, we hear that these people apparently are very violent. And I don't know what it is that Jonah has experienced at the hands of the Assyrians specifically, but historians tell us that they were ruthless against the peoples that they took over. They would torture people. They would just kill people just senselessly to establish their dominion. So it makes sense that Jonah doesn't want to go there. And I, and I think it also makes sense that none of us being in Jonah's shoes or sandals would not want to go there either. He doesn't want to go there so bad he would rather die. But he's made a deal with God. He says, you know, whatever you ask, I'll do. I'll, 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 I'll do it. Because he's, he's in the belly of this fish. And he's in a position where if he doesn't get out of this fish, 
he knows he's going to die. God has basically bought him a few days for him to rethink his position and rethink what he wants to do about this whole situation. So Jonah walks into the city, the great city of Nineveh, which the book of Jonah tells us it it would take three days to walk across it. It's a huge, huge place. So Jonah walks in about a day's journey and he finds a, he finds a good spot, I guess, where, where people can hear him. And, and he, the whole time I'm wondering, you know, he's, he's walking into the city where his enemies live. And once he finds the spot, he, he, he begins to preach, right? And, and, and his, his preaching is one sentence long and it's, it's very, um, it's lacking love and mercy and grace and forgiveness, right? His preaching is simply, you all have 40 days, 40 days tops until you're overthrown. 40 days until you're overthrown. 40 days until you're thrown over. And the entire kingdom and the people of Nineveh repent. They turn from their evil ways and from the violence that was in their hands, says the book of Jonah. They hope that God might change his mind. They hope that God would not be angry with them anymore so that they would be spared, so that they would be saved. And when God saw what they did, how they repented, how they fasted, how they cried out to God for for mercy, God changed his mind about this calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And he didn't do it. Jonah, Jonah is upset when he sees that God changes his mind. He becomes very angry with God. He says, and I quote, Oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, Lord, please take my life away from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah would rather die than agree with God's mercy towards his enemies. But none of us are like Jonah, are we? <laughs> I think we find ourselves in an interesting moment in history. For many, uh, how many more For example, how many more enemies or broken relationships do you have today compared to maybe, I don't know, the last four years? How many bitter arguments have you had perhaps with family workers, family members, coworkers, uh, maybe fellow church members, maybe neighbors related to current events in the political sphere? How many people... Have you unfriended on Facebook here during these last four, 
years. We find ourselves asking how we're supposed to move on as a nation. How do we fix this enormous divide in our country today? Talk of unity falls flat. What unity? There are family members with whom we probably might not speak anymore. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's just a personal dispute. But many of us would rather do anything but try to mend the wound. We'd rather get eaten by a large fish. We'd rather die than be merciful. We have a gracious, loving, and merciful God, but we ourselves have a problem being merciful ourselves. We want healing, but we also always want to be correct. We go into the situation expecting that maybe the other person won't listen anymore. They won't listen anyway, that they won't change, and that even if they change on the outside, it's not genuine. We tend to project ourselves onto other people. The truth is that we are the ones that won't change. We are the ones that are unforgiving. See, Jonah didn't change. A prophet, okay? The one appointed by God, directly by God, appointed, has trouble changing. The church, Christians, those called by God's name, we are the ones appointed to bring the good news of grace and forgiveness and God's love. And yet we haven't changed. We are often unmerciful and unforgiving. We'd rather be right than merciful. Regardless of what you believe is right, regardless of how right you might think you are, God will be merciful to whom he wants. The question is, will we be merciful? The good news is that there is a way to healing. The bad news is that most of us will struggle, struggle with it. But I want us to really, really consider it. Think of the Roman centurion in the Gospels that nailed Jesus to the cross. He literally drove nails through Jesus' hands. And he lifted Jesus up on high as they planted that cross on that hill called Golgotha, which means the skull unknowingly and symbolically driving a stake through death's skull with a cross. And Jesus hanging, watching, gasping for air, prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This man, this, this hardened Roman soldier, blood on his hands, looks up and sees Jesus take his last breath. And it's in that moment 
after having heard Jesus pray for his forgiveness, that this centurion utters the words, surely this man was the son of God. It is God's mercy in Jesus that convinces the world that Jesus is God's son. It is God's mercy, not a sermon, not even a good deed. It is simply God's mercy. And we are asked to forgive as we've been forgiven, to give grace as it was freely given to us. Only grace can mend what sin has broken. Only mercy convinces the world that God is real and true and good. The kingdom has arrived. This is what Jesus preaches in the Gospels. But it seems that its citizens are nowhere to be found. Where are they? Where are they in present day? The loudest voices are, are, are what we hear, but, but where, are, where are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven? The loudest voices seek violence. The loudest voices are angry. But where are the followers of Christ? So, as we read the story, Jonah continually is told to get up. Get up and call on your God. And then when God arrives, get up and go to this place. So wake up, get up. How can we be sleeping in the middle of this, this storm? When will we learn to place our trust in Jesus Christ instead of human political leaders? When will we learn to be merciful? When will we take the kingdom of God seriously? Put away on helpful speech. Submit your thoughts to God in prayer before you act on them. There will be no healing unless we can extend mercy. No healing without mercy, forgiveness, and honesty. The sad reality is that even prophets will choose death over mercy, violence over forgiveness their own plans above God's plans. It's easier even to believe in heaven than it is to offer mercy. It's easier to carry a gun than to carry your cross. It's easier to judge than to forgive. It's easier to die than to do God's will. Stop pretending. Be salt, be light. It's the mercy flowing through us that makes us holy because mercy comes from God himself. Mercy is incredibly unique. It is otherworldly. It is holy. It transforms. The path is narrow that leads to salvation. Learn to walk this narrow path by looking to Jesus who forgives you 
each step of the way until you've changed by his grace. Jonah is a very relevant message because oftentimes it's easy for us to look around us and say they need to repent. These are their flaws. This is what they've done. These are the lies. But it's very difficult to turn that around and to look ourselves in the mirror and to recognize that just as Jonah needed repentance, we ourselves are often in the same situation. And God asks, is it right? Is it right that you, that you are upset? Right? Should I, God says in the very last verse of this book, should I not be concerned about Nineveh? That great city in, in, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals. Our unwillingness to be merciful is, flies in God's face when God himself has been extremely, overwhelmingly merciful and forgiving to each of us. How is it then that we can not only experience this divide, but be unwilling to seek some sort of reconciliation, regardless of how difficult, how uncomfortable that may be? When Christians are divided, there is a problem. I'm not talking about the nation here. I'm talking about us now. When we are so staunchly against each other at times, we are in a bad spot. The truth of the matter is that we all need repentance. The truth of the matter is that we are all deserving of death if God applies the law across fairly. The truth of the matter is that only God can truly administer justice and goodness and righteousness. The truth of the matter is that we don't know necessarily what that looks like. But Jesus calls us to forgive in the same manner that we are forgiven. He calls us to be merciful in the same way that we have been that he has been merciful with us. To extend that grace is what signifies, it is the distinguishing mark of the Christian life. And it is not easy. It is difficult. This is why he says that the path is narrow. It is, it is a difficult thing. But many of us and most of us won't be asked to, to, to offer this grace and mercy in these in these incredibly terrible situations. Most of us are asked to offer mercy and grace and forgiveness in the small day-to-day things we, that we encounter, the small arguments, the, 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 the small divisions. This is where we practice this ability to be grace, grace uh, giving and, and merciful and forgiving 
this is where it happens, but it cannot happen without us being connected to Christ. Christ, Jesus, uses a metaphor of the, the vine and the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then you will produce much fruit. Our problem is that we often trust our own thinking and our own judgments above God's. Our problem is that we do not submit to God what we're feeling, what our impulses are, how we want to react in the moment. And I think that Christianity, Christians in general, are suffering from an inability to connect with God on a daily basis in a way that we can submit the things that we are struggling with each day. I think that what has gotten us to this moment, to this place, is our separation from God. That we can know God just as well as a prophet may. But even as the prophet Jonah refuses to be merciful like God, refuses to reflect God's character, we are often doing the same thing. And so the ones who need repentance today, beyond looking at the world and all of that stuff, because that's easy, the ones who need repentance today is you and me. We are being called to repent and to change our ways and to leave the violence that is in our words and hopefully not in our hands. I hope that this is a message that, that you understand comes from a good place and it comes from a place of mercy and of love and of forgiveness. I hope that this points you to Jesus as he died on that cross, forgiving even the stranger that nailed him to it. This is the God that we serve. And as much as we might want to run away from the, call, the calling that he gives us, the truth of the matter is that we are not truly, truly God's people until we can also reflect his grace. Let us pray. Father in heaven, in this moment, we come to you asking for forgiveness, but also for wisdom and guidance as to how to move forward in a way that reflects your character. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit continually shows us who we are through your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. That you do not give up on us just the same way that you did not give up on Jonah. That you continually show us mercy. That you continually show us grace. But that you also continue to push us to be more like you. Lord, there are many things that appear maybe scary, these storms that sometimes we are found in, and yet there you are with us. Lord, you are light and you are the truth. You are the vine and we are the branches. Allow us today to 
acknowledge and to be joyful in your grace. Transform us from the inside out. We give ourselves to you today and each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks, family. We will be meeting again uh, next week here on Facebook at 10 a.m., Facebook Live. Uh, look out for those texts going out for Wednesday evening prayer meetings. And again, Friday evening, 7 p.m. Sabbath school. I think it's been a blessing to all of us. Have a uh, great day. Happy Sabbath and a blessed week. We will see you soon.